Sparkling Vintage Life, where we talk about all things vintage and celebrate the grace and charm of an earlier era. I'm your host, Jennifer Leo, and it's May 12, 2019, as I record this. This is episode number 13 of the podcast. 13 is a baker's dozen. I was interested in the origin of this phrase, baker's dozen, and it turns out it dates back to medieval times when bakers could be heavily punished for coming up short in their weight to a customer on their goods. So they could be uh, flogged or pilloried or heavily fined for coming up short. Therefore, they'd when a customer ordered a dozen loaves of bread, for example, the baker would throw in 13, and that way he would be sure to make his weights. And I found that very interesting, and how much better it would be if all businesses would concentrate on at least not shorting the customer and maybe even giving a little extra just to be sure they're satisfied. It's kind of a good rule of thumb to follow. It's full-on spring here in North Idaho, and I've been enjoying sitting out on the deck in the morning with my coffee overlooking the mountains. My early morning deck-sitting ritual has inspired me to focus this week's episode on the unique and special value of morning time. More on that in a minute. First, I wanted to let you know that my first novel, You're the Cream in My Coffee, the ebook edition, will be free this week on Amazon. That's May 13th through 17th, 2019. I'll put a link in the show notes. You're the Cream in My Coffee is the first book in the Roaring Twenties series, which is a clean, sweet romance series set in 1920s Chicago. Small-town girl Marjorie Corrigan travels to Chicago and thinks she sees her first love, believed killed in the Great War, standing alive and well in a train station. Of course she needs to find out whether it's really him, and if so, why he never came home. Meanwhile, she has a fiancé waiting for her to come home as the ticking time bomb of their wedding looms. If that sounds like your kind of story, I encourage you to download it for free this week on Amazon. I'll put a link in the show notes. And now on to today's topic about mornings. In case you haven't noticed, the topic of mornings especially morning routines and rituals meant to maximize productivity, is kind of having a moment. It's quite trendy these days for people to talk about how they make the most of their mornings and describe all the things they do after waking up to set themselves up to have a productive day. From Hal Elrod's book Miracle Morning to Laura Vanderkam's podcast Before Breakfast, It seems like everyone who's anyone has something to share about the value of mourning. But this is really nothing new. As the old adage goes, an ounce of mourning is worth a pound of afternoon in terms of getting things done. I love mornings. I love to get up early, watching the sun come up if possible. There's something about mourning that's fresh and clean, a clean slate, a chance to start again. I feel well-rested after a good night's sleep, and my energy is as high as it's going to get all day. 
I also feel a tremendous sense of optimism early in the morning, like anything's possible. Psalm 30, verse 35, tells us that weeping lasts for a night, but joy comes in the morning. I have found this to be true. Problems that loom large in the middle of the night seem somehow diminished in the light of day. I generally wake up around 5 a.m. and putter around for an hour, reading and writing in my journal, drinking a glass of water. If I want to have a peaceful morning, I find it helpful not to plunge right into email and social media, but it's hard to resist that temptation sometimes. Another key is that while I like to wake up early, I do not like to socialize early. (laughs) Nor do I like to get dressed and leave the house right away. I like to ease into the day. I float around in solitude and just get puttery chores done. After I've been up around an hour or so, my husband and I will meet up for coffee on the deck in summer or in front of the pellet stove in cold weather. By then, I'm awake enough to be suitable company. (laughs) We talk about everything under the sun, and we have our daily devotional and prayer time together. After that, I do a few morning chores and exercise and then settle down at my desk. I try to reserve mornings for creative work, like writing, when I'm still fresh and rested. After lunch, my energy flags a lot, so I find that's the better time to do more administrative or marketing tasks or maybe to run some errands in town, see friends. But mornings are best for writing and creativity, and I really try to protect that time because once it's gone, it's gone. By evening time, I may have a second burst of creativity, But more often, I'm mostly brain-dead by then and will need a full night's sleep to recharge. Because I like to look back at how people in the past lived their lives, and, and I know you do too, I looked around for how others have spent their mornings over the ages. I discovered the work of Mason Curry. Using biographies, autobiographies, diaries, letters, memoirs, Mr. Curry studied the daily lives of creative people, such as artists, writers, musicians, inventors, scientists, and he looked for clues as to how they spent their time. A surprising number of these productive individuals were morning people. I, of course, was most interested in the writers. The current writer, Octavia Butler, for example, finds Three or four o'clock in the morning, the best time to get up and write. That's even worse than me. But like me, she started writing early because she was working a day job and found she was too tired to write in the evenings, but after sleep she was ready to write. That's how I got started with getting up early. I never used to as a teenager, young adult, if I didn't have to, but when I wanted to be a writer, I was working full-time in an office and found when I came home, I was just too beat to string two sentences together. So I started getting up extra early and writing before work, and then the habit stuck even after we moved to Idaho and and my schedule changed. The famous playwright Lillian Hellman, um, early in the 20th century, lived on a farm 
she got up at around five and she helped with milking the cows or cleaning the barn and then she had breakfast and then she got to writing. Margaret Bork White was a pioneering photojournalist also in the mid 20th century. In her autobiography, she noted, quote, I am a morning writer. The world is all fresh and new then and made for the imagination. I keep an odd schedule that would be possible only for somebody with no family demands, to bed at eight and up at four. In the early 20th century, the author Edith Wharton, she wrote The House of Mirth and a bunch of other books, she wrote her fiction each morning while still in bed, writing longhand on sheets of paper that she dropped onto the floor for her secretary to retrieve and type up. I should note that Edith Wharton was quite wealthy. <laughs> it always helps to have a house full of servants. A visitor recalled that she wrote with, quote, her writing board perilously furnished with an ink pot on her knee, the dog of the moment under her left elbow, on the bed strewn with correspondence, newspapers, and books. Mason Curry notes, Wharton always worked in the morning, and house guests were expected to entertain themselves until 11 a.m. or noon, when the hostess would emerge from her private quarters, ready to go to, for a walk or to work in the garden. And one of this particular podcaster's favorite people, that doyenne of etiquette, Emily Post, woke at 6.30 a.m., and while she was still in bed, she set to work. Her son remembered, quote, she had improvised an arrangement which enabled her to get her own breakfast as early as she wished and while remaining in bed. A thermos of hot coffee, another small one of cream, butter in an iced container, zwieback, and the dark buckwheat honey she loved were placed on a tray on her bedside table every night. She would breakfast and then, remaining in bed, write, edit, copy, and plan her correspondence. No telephone calls, no visitors, no household interruptions were permitted to break in on her working time. After 12, she rose, dressed, and was ready and hungry for luncheon, punctually at 1. And finally, the, the well-known Southern writer Eudora Welty also liked to write first thing, usually still in her nightgown. That's like me. For those creatives who were also parents, many of them got up early to get some work done before their children were even awake. Others hit the desk as soon as the children left for school. Either way, they made the most of the limited time they had available. Of course, not all of us are cut out to be morning people. A sizable segment of the population are night owls, preferring to work late into the night and to sleep in late in the morning. In the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. That's Ecclesiastes 11.6 from the Bible. In a note about this verse, Pastor John MacArthur reminds us, The world is full of things over which no one has control, including the purposes of God. 
There is no virtue in wishful wondering, but there's hope for those who get busy and do their work. And I'll just add, whether you do your work in the morning or the evening or the middle of the day, the important thing is to get it done. As for me, I'll take the morning. How about you? When do you prefer to do your most important tasks? Are you an early morning lark or a late night owl? Drop by the show notes or visit me on Facebook and leave a comment. If you have a question you'd like me to answer or a topic you'd like me to address on A Sparkling Vintage Life, feel free to send me an email at jenny, J-E-N-N-Y, at sparklingvintagelife.com. Also, if you could just take a few minutes to stop by iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts and leave a star rating, or even better, write a quick review, that will help raise the visibility of this little show so that more of our kindred spirits can find it. And I'll be back in a minute with today's Grace Note. Today's Grace Note is a double header. It's two books by Mason Curry, whom I mentioned earlier. Specifically, his two books, Daily Rituals and Daily Rituals, Women Who Work. The first volume, Daily Rituals, is described on the cover as being um, a description of the working habits of 161 inspiring minds, among them novelists, poets, playwrights, painters, philosophers, scientists, and mathematicians who describe how they subtly maneuver the obstacles and daily rituals to get done the work they love to do, whether by waking early or staying up late, whether by self-medicating with donuts or bathing, drinking vast quantities of coffee, or taking long daily walks. And then the second volume, called Daily Rituals, Women Who Work, covers similar territory but specifically focused on women achievers. Mr. Curry found that often the male achievers described in his first book benefited from the support of wives or mothers or secretaries or other assistants who carried the burden of making daily life run smoothly, leaving the man free to do his work. Women were generally the ones who provided that support for others making sure that everyone gets fed and has clean shirts to wear, etc. So the working lives of women creatives looked different enough from the men's lives to warrant a second book. I'll put links to both these books in the show notes, and I hope you enjoy them and are as inspired by them as, uh, as much as I did. And that is our show for this week. Have a lovely day and tune in next week when I'll discuss another aspect of a sparkling vintage life.